Welcome to Dana Delivers by Aprio Podcast, the podcast that helps restaurant owners and operators learn from industry experts about trends and opportunities. On every episode, Dana Zukowski, the leader of Aprio's restaurant advisory team, explores a topic impacting our industry in a candid conversation. And now, let's hear what Dana is serving up on this episode. So today on the podcast, we have John Hamburger, who probably everyone here listening to has been to at least one conference that he has organized. John, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Dana. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. And I always like to start the podcast with the first time I met someone. And although I don't know exactly what year it was, when I thought back, it has to be almost 20 years ago, I attended my first restaurant finance and development conference. And it's been about 10 years that I've been speaking. So John, thanks for that opportunity, because as every year comes up, it's one of my most exciting things to look forward to the conference. I feel like I'm going to a high school reunion and a prom all at once. So thanks for that. You're welcome. So why don't you give a little bit of background just for the people who might not know a little bit about you, the upcoming conference, and then we could talk about what you're seeing in the industry as probably someone who talks to more people than anybody else. Yeah. Well, thanks, Dana. The Restaurant Finance and Development Conference is actually 32 years old. It started back in 1990. The first one was in Minneapolis. And then for about 10 years, we went from alternated between Chicago and Dallas. And then in 2002, we finally moved it out to Las Vegas. As it grew, we needed more space and no more hotel rooms. And of course, uh, Vegas has all of that. 32 years, there've been a lot of change. You know, I go back if you go back and look 32 years ago, there were a few banks in the space, you know, one or two M&A people. And there was still, a, there was a sale leaseback market back then. But all of that really, really mushroomed as restaurants grew over the years. And now uh, it's a pretty, pretty active finance space. We'll have over 200 exhibitors. We'll have about 3,000 people. And the finance business in the restaurant business has become its own little industry. Oh, for sure. And it's become, as it grew, I think a lot of it organically and with the markets and people just loving being in the space. I remember when I first started, bankers weren't so interested in it, right? It was people looked at it as a cash business. There weren't that many assets to lend against. And now it's definitely completely changed. Yeah. You know, lending to restaurants back in the day was perceived as a no-no. Right. You know, local banks didn't want to touch a restaurant loan. And as, as multi-unit restaurant companies, they became multi-unit and they started going to different states, their local banker couldn't help them. And so that's really when the financing took off in the banks. And I think McDonald's was really kind of the first one where banks started putting together programs. And now you see these, you know, whether it's Wells Fargo, MUFG, Bank of America, BMO, they all have multi-state lending programs for chain restaurants. Right. And everyone wants to get in now, or I guess that's what we could talk about. They did want to get in. So now we're in this weird part of the economy where no one really knows what's happening next. So as someone who's been speaking to a lot of bankers and lenders getting ready for the conference... Tell me a little bit about what you're hearing as far as lending goes to restaurants. I'm sure people who are listening to the podcast are either looking for money or starting to think about it. Yeah. Well, you know, I think the restaurant business is, it it reflects 
what's going on in the real economy. You know, if I look back, you know, over the years that I've been in it or been working on the conference, you know, banks, as many of you know, they can blow hot and cold. They can become real excited about lending money. And then they go through a period where they're not very excited about lending money. I think that we're in that that period right now of caution. I would I would say that what's going on in the economy with inflation and with the rise in labor costs across all industries is is affecting the restaurant industry. Right. And, and it's not just the rise in labor costs, it's also the lack of labor availability. Yeah, just trying to find people to work in just about any industry. My my dentist tells me that he's short of people. Any industry, they're they're having trouble trying to find people. And this is reflected in the economy and it's impacting restaurants. And because it's impacting restaurants, we're going through this period of margin squeeze. You know, last quarter I saw Chili's, if you took a look at their store level operating profits of the Chili's restaurants, they were down significantly last quarter. And Domino's just reported on Monday their company store margins were down. So these are big operations. You can imagine what's going on in the smaller restaurants and the franchisees. And so when they report this this information to the lenders, the lenders say, oh my God, I, I can't believe these numbers are the way they are. And you have a lot of a lot of issues. You have you have covenant issues where Restaurant borrowers are breaking covenants. I think it's a fairly significant number right now. And so what happens then is the lenders say, time out. Let's hold off for just a second. Let's see what's going to happen here before we commit more dollars. And I think if you're an operator who's been able to work through this, you've been able to see sales increases, you've been able to protect margins to some degree, You know, I think you're going to be fine. I think the lenders... Your lenders, your relationship with your lenders, I think, are withstand these problems. If you're just a recent borrower, you've just put a deal together, you've got a syndicate of big lenders in your credit, and now you're starting to have some problems, it's going to be a lot harder to get more money. Right. So I think there's some real, real changes that are going to take place here over the next year or two as we work through this. Right. And that's one of the things we talked about in the prep is, we're having a lot of conversations with people in the industry who they're going now to their bankers to talk about covenants right before we start doing year-end audits. But what about the people whose money is coming due? You know, those conversations and the relationships are really, that's what's going to help through this time as much as it could, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, banks don't like, they don't like to put people out of business. I mean, contrary to what what some people would believe, so when you said it comes due, I think that we're we're going to be over the next year or two. Uh, we'll see what happens with inflation, but I think you know over the next year or two we're going to be in kind of a quasi workout period where you know banks are going to be taking a closer look. They started looking closer at these during the pandemic. Again, like like everything, there'll be some brands that are going to find this a perfect opportunity growth. And I think there's some brands that are going to contract and they're going to have trouble. And Warren Buffett has always talked about, you know, who's out there swimming naked when the tide comes in. And I think over the next, you know, year to 18 months, we're going to find out who's naked. Right. And to brands, some growing, some contracting, legacy brands versus new brands. As Again, 
I feel like if anyone has the closest thing to a crystal ball with because of the access to information, I'm going to give it to you. So well, what are you thinking? I think that the, the way that I think is I, I like the outlook for emerging restaurant brands. I think that I've been talking about generational change for the last you know, five, six, seven years, I think we're in the midst of a, a big generational change where Gen Z and millennial interest in restaurants is very high. I think they like to spend dollars in restaurants. This generational group is growing. It's going to be a significant part of the population. And so I'm really optimistic about emerging brands. Like any downturn, I'm not that optimistic about some of the older brands Right. You know, brands that have been around a while, they're tired. I think a lot of operators are are frankly worn out from the pandemic. You know, this has been a tough business, Dana, over the last couple of years. I mean, all the work that people had to do through the pandemic and then now having to deal with inflation and staffing issues, it has become a tough, tough business. And I think there's a lot of a lot of brands that are tired. I think there's some operators in those brands that are worn out. This is what's happened over, you know, the last 50 years in restaurants. You right. know, they, they the the older ones, the tired ones go away and they're replaced by newer ones. Hot new thing. Yeah. And that's I think that's what's gonna that's what's gonna play out here over the next couple of years. Right. And I guess also I mean, as we see in the papers, that going out to eat at certain restaurants is the same price, if not sometimes less expensive than grocery shopping. And we know that those two generations, they, as Kevin Burke always says, they consider putting milk in your cereal, making dinner. So, well, you know, I've never liked to it I, too. Yeah, I've never liked that comparison. You know, they, where they say, well, grocery prices are rising faster than rather than restaurants. I, I can tell you that it's still cheaper for me to go to the grocery store and buy two burgers and a six pack of beer and some frozen fries that I can cook. It's a lot cheaper than me going out to some casual dining restaurant and ordering the same thing. But it's not the same. And I think that people that are, are restaurants that are offering good food and experience, that there's still value there. Is there something that you've seen recently or someone you've spoken to that's going to be at the upcoming conference and you don't have to give necessarily a name, but or an idea that really excited you, whether it be a brand or a technology or something? You know, I think the one thing that's that's interesting about a lot of these emerging brands is they they come into their concept with technology. I mean, technology is is part of their creation, you know, as they as they build these restaurants. And I think a lot of older brands are playing catch up. You know what I mean? Their POS is old. Their back office software is old. Mm -hmm. You know, they're having to implement this where a lot of the newer brands start out with technology. And so I think that's kind of exciting. I think that, and there's so much technology out there. I mean, it's interesting. And I think I just got to mention one thing in the technology space. I think you're going to see, you think restaurants have been hit on the funding side. I think technology companies have been hit, hit just as much. And you're seeing valuations come down in a lot of those a lot of those emerging technologies, I think that's going to be an interesting, interesting area over the next year or two as they consolidate. And anyways, we're not here to talk about technology, but no, uh, but I, I agree with what you're saying. So with the rest, with even just the restaurant technology, right? When we I'll go to myself 20 years ago, everything was on an Excel sheet and QuickBooks. And then all of a sudden in the past what's called 10 years, there's been an influx of technology and there's so much. And the restaurant industry went from zero to a hundred in a minute. 
it was quick and there was so many options and so first to market we know isn't always best but i think now people are realizing which is the better and best and just starting to have that shake out so i understand what you just said about yeah. the valuations going yeah. down because i think everyone got so excited about all this new stuff and now it's like let's stop and breathe a second take a beat the one interesting thing that that i think you know, private equity still has a lot of cash. You know, there's a lot of money out there. A lot of, you know, the, you look at what the uh, combination of what the government and, and the Federal Reserve printing money, there's, a, there's still a lot of cash out there looking for deals. There's a lot of opportunity out there, I think, or there will be over the next uh, year or two, I think. And I think that's exciting. Right. And I was going to say, do you think, for me, the more I talk to people, I think there is the cash out there, which we know, but I think people are sitting on it a little bit longer than they might have like a year or two ago and kind of talking a little bit more and dating a little more just to see what happens with the things we spoke about earlier, whether it be yeah. in the economy. Well, you know, there's not a lot of deals right now. Sellers sellers look at the margin compression they're experiencing and thinking there'll be a better day in the future and maybe it'll be a better to sell their operation you know, a year from now or two years from now when margins come back. But one of the things I think people need to keep in mind is that is that as interest rates rise, you know, the, the cost of capital is rising as well. You'll see some multiple compression as well. Oh, for sure. We're definitely seeing that as well. But John, I love talking to you. I can't wait to see you and the whole team in Vegas. Everyone who's listening, come watch me. I'll be presenting. Can't wait. Love my panel. And John, any last plug for the conference or anything else going on? You know, Dana, you just gave one of the greatest plugs of all time. I don't need to follow up on that. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you very much. And I'll see you in November. Thanks, Dana. Thank you to all of our listeners to the Dana Delivers by Apio podcast. If you like today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button. Dana Delivers brought to you by Aprio, a premier accounting and business advisory firm with offices across the U.S. and clients around the globe.